I'm so glad that you have joined us today for the last part of our series, I Can. The fifth and the final excuse that Moses made when God asked him to step out into the purpose that God has created him for. Now, I don't know, most of you have probably heard this word FOMO. Do you know what FOMO means? It's fear of missing out. And it basically became a thing with the rise of social media where people started getting anxious about missing out on something that someone else is experiencing that is really great. And we, a couple of years ago, experienced this situation when we, Cape Town has a hipster culture, um, and, and we were at this old mill that they converted into um, like an artisanal crafts place, right? So we're at this mill, it's, it's like so many young adult people, and it's just packed, there's no space to even walk. And we wanted to buy something, and they're like, oh, we only take cash. So we ask around, and they said there's this, this ATM, or as you guys say here, an ABM, automatic bank machine, um, just around the corner, around the elevator. So we go, and we walk around, and we're like, there's this whole queue around the elevator waiting for the ATM, so we just line up. We just fall into the queue. But people start walking past us and they start looking at us like really weird. And I'm like, what is going on? Do I dress funny? Like, do I not look hipster enough? What's going on? And then someone walks up to me and they're like, what are you guys queuing for? Like, what's going on? I'm like, we're waiting to get some money from the bank. That's it. But that was such a beautiful example of how people want to be in line. They're so afraid they're going to miss something out. And maybe you're someone who often have FOMO. Maybe you're the opposite, and there's a different word that rose out of this culture, this FOMO culture, and that's JOMO. Okay, there's, by the way, so many of these. It's crazy. Like, I studied them in the week, and I was like, there's so many. But JOMO means that people are quick to push something off when it's outside of their comfort zone. So Jomo, it's often seen in a more positive light as well, where they say, like, I, I'm, I will just let all of that go. I don't have to be in the center of everything, and I will sit on my, on my couch. But the neg- negative side of Jomo that some of us experience is, oh, by the way, Jomo stands for the joy of missing out, is that sometimes we experience... We want to experience the joy of missing out. I don't want to be present. I don't want to do stuff that's out of my comfort zone. And I love to watch those videos of people that go bungee jumping. Because I will never do it, by the way. Yolanda has done it. I won't. But people go up and they're like, they've got FOMO. They're like, I want to jump off. And then when the moment that they're on that edge, they get JOMO. They're like, I don't want to go anymore. There's a joy not doing this. And then they push them off or something. And it always, it's so interesting to me to just watch these two extremes. And what I realized is this is kind of like what our world, the kind of world that, that has developed around us where you are either so afraid of missing out on something that could be exciting and could be cool and could be fun, or you are just content and not being, being pushed out of your comfort zone at all. And sadly, that happens in our faith, in our walk with God as well. And today we are going to be talking about this, both, both about the exciting part of living a life with God and for God, but also about the Jomo part where I'm uncomfortable with this path that God is calling me to. And therefore, I'm fine to settle at a place where I say, like, I'm not going to do it. So our fifth and our final um, topic in this series is but rather use someone else. I can, God. I can. 
but rather choose someone else, rather use someone else. And we'll be reading today from Exodus 4, but before we get to that, um, we've, we've been doing a challenge every week um, to follow along in the book of Exodus. We started at chapter 1, and we read three chapters a week. So this week, if you're following along, here's your three chapters you need to go and read at home. It's Exodus chapter 13 to 15, 13 to 15. And you will read now till the moment that they've gone through the Red Sea and they are finally safe from Pharaoh and his armies. So hopefully you enjoyed the journey um, as you saw how this man that, that for a long time said, I can't, finally did take up the mantle and did do what God has asked him to do. But we'll be reading Exodus 4 from Exodus 4, verse 13 to 17. Okay, so Moses made his four excuses, right? And then, then this happens. Every time God gives him a counter. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take the staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. Interesting thing happens. The first four excuses, Moses just goes like, I can't. I'm a nobody. I've got imposter syndrome. I've got too many questions that I don't have answers to. I do not really have something to offer God. And then last week we heard like, but God, there's an actual significant weakness, a disability in my life. And therefore I don't think I can do this. And each time God comes back with this simple answer, James. Moses says, I can. God says, but I can and I will be with you. So how do you counter that? So finally, he founds a counter, not to say, I can't, but his fifth excuse is, I won't. I'm not going. And when I was reading this, I'm like, why doesn't he want to go? Like God just called him to do this incredible task, but you have to, for a moment, put yourself in his feet, in his shoes, right? And, and look at the way he looked at it. So Moses was somewhere in Midian around Mount Horeb. And if you read these, these different distances that, that historians give, because a lot of it would depend on the route that Moses would use to travel to Egypt and whether he would go through the, through the Red Sea, whether he would go around. But we know that he had at least 480 to 700 kilometers to travel. He did not have a high-speed train, a plane, or a car. He would have probably done it on foot, maybe with some donkeys or camels to help him carry his stuff. So he's got 480 to 700 kilometers. It would take him between two weeks and a month and a half, 47 days to do that trip. It is not safe to travel, especially if you do not have a large group of people, like people will rob you on the road and kill you. And here's the bigger thing. Why did he leave Egypt in the first place? Because the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh, wanted to kill him. So it's like, is that thing still in effect? If I show my face in Egypt, are they still going to want to kill me? 
Because it's not like Moses was a random unknown dude. He grew up in the palace. They know what he looks like and who he is. And a couple of years have, have elapsed, but they would probably recognize him. And what I realized is what Moses did, he chose certainty over uncertainty in this moment. He didn't see the excitement of following God's plan. All that he knew was, I'll rather be Jomo. I'll rather find joy of missing out. Because this is uncertain. This is stretching me too far. This could cost my life. I don't know what's going on. So I'm rather going to say, no, God, use someone else. And when I, when I read this and I started thinking about it, I'm like, doesn't it feel extremely arrogant to say no to God? Like, you're standing in front of a bush burning, doesn't burn out, it's talking to you, it's God's voice, and you're like, no, thank you. I'm like, that is crazy. Like, I cannot even imagine doing that. And here's, here's the, the, the craziest part about this. He doesn't just say no. He says, excuse me, pardon your servant, God. So he, he first says, like, I am your servant. I will do what you want. But no, I'm not going to do it. He says, pardon your servant, use someone else. So he sees himself as a servant, but he doesn't want to do the serving. And what is sad to me is we do exactly the same thing as Christians. In the New Testament, not only is the word servant used, but the word doulos, which means slave. I'm a slave to God. And we say, we, we are proud to carry that badge as Christians to say, I am a slave to God. I am his servant. But then when he asks us to do something, we're like, uh, no, rather you someone else. Saying that you are a servant of Jesus means that you'll also do the serving that he's asking you to do. And in westernized Christianity, I think we've become so comfortable at saying, yes, God, I'll follow you. At saying, yes, I'll be your servant. And then just sitting back and not doing it. We live as if what Jesus asks us is all metaphorical. Think about it for a moment. When Jesus said, love your neighbors. By the way, we're starting a series about that next week. Did he actually mean it? Do you know your neighbor's names, all of them? What about when he said, do good to... Your enemy. Can you believe how crazy that is? What about helping the poor, putting the needs of others before your own? By the way, that's a reoccurring topic in the Bible, whether it's marriages, relationships, whatever. What about sharing your faith? I'm sorry, God, I'm your servant, but Canada has a rule. Like, we don't talk about our faith. What about making disciples? What about unity in the church? What about contributing to the church? What about giving your tithe? You're like, no, I'll give 1%, God. That's, that's what, I get, what I can give you. What about surrendering your will and your life to him? He's like, oh, I've been pursuing your heart. I want you to follow me. And you're like, no, I, I, I don't think it's a good time. We all say no to God sometimes. And here's the sad part. Moses is at this point where he's about to miss out on the purpose that God created him for. And you know why? Because he didn't trust God fully. Each time when he asked a question, God answered and God said, you'll be okay. But still he didn't trust God fully. 
And I think the same thing can happen to us where we can miss out on God's purpose and his plan for us, not because of your brokenness, not because of your questions, not because of your weaknesses, your mistakes, your imposter syndrome, feeling like you're nobody, but we can miss out on God's purpose and plan for our lives simply because we do not trust him enough. We do not want to step out of a place of control. You see, when Moses had to step out of Midian, he had to leave his sheep behind, which, which are fairly easy animals to look after. He had to leave his family, his new family behind, and go into the uncertainty, the stuff he couldn't control. And that's our issue as well. Like, yes, God, I'll follow you as long as it's within my comfort zone, as long as everything remains inside of my control. And the crazy thing is we don't actually have control. It's an illusion. Do you have control about the stock markets? No, you don't have control over it. Do you have control over your health? Very limited. Not really. Do you have control over pandemics in the world? We just realize we don't. With all the technology we have, we still don't. It's an illusion. We can't control our life. And what I realize is the one big thing that every single one of us, whether you are today the first time in church, whether you are full of questions about faith, whether you've been following Jesus for five years or for 50 years, the thing that every single one of us have in common with Moses is this. We struggle to trust God fully. We struggle to trust God fully. And God finally, in verse 14, gets angry. And to one extent, I kind of feel sorry for Moses. And I kind of want to say, like, God, but isn't it unfair? Come on, you're sending him back to Egypt where the Pharaoh wanted to kill him. He has to travel hundreds of kilometers. Like, God, how can you get angry at this man? He just wants certainty. The thing is, God didn't say, hey, Moses, will you go? And he's like, no. And God got angry. God has already covered numerous excuses, has already given him assurances numerous times saying like, I'll be with you. I will teach you what to say. I will overcome your weaknesses. And he has even given him physical signs, miraculous signs, a staff that turns into a snake, a hand that when it went into the coat was leprous and then it was gone. Like God has over and over spoken to him. And what I realized is if this was my child, I would not have made those many it wouldn't, have taken, it wouldn't take me that long to get angry. I always tell Abigail, like, I'll speak once. You know, and then when I'm in good mood, I'll, I'll do it twice. But that's about it. And then the whip is coming out, right? But God doesn't bring out the whip. Like five excuses and all of these assurances. And I'm like, God could have brought out the whip. And I want to tell you, God could bring out, I believe, the whip against all of us as well. And specifically, I believe, against his church. Because for years we have been more than content to make excuses to say, God, we're following you, but we're just not going to do the serving that you're requiring us to do. But God has so much compassion and grace, although we, he's angry, he doesn't take out the whip, but he has another plan. I had a friend who used to say, God is the God of the ABCs. Okay, if you mess up the A plan... Still got a B plan for you. If you then mess up the B plan, guess what? He still has a C plan for you. If you mess up C, he's got a D, E, F. It continues. God doesn't just give up on us. And it's so beautiful that I would have probably either taken out the whip or I would have just like lifted him and dropped him in Egypt. I'm like, there you go, buddy. 
But God doesn't do that. God has so much compassion and grace with him. And I want to tell you today that if you are sitting here and you're feeling like, maybe I've missed out on the marriage God wants me to have. Maybe I've missed out on my life purpose. Maybe I've missed out on so many things because I have not been faithful. I didn't say yes. I didn't say I can when he asked me. What now? I want to tell you, God is not done with you yet. God still has a plan for your life. He is not done with you yet. So God comes with this plan and he, sa- he tells Moses, what about your brother Aaron? By the way, that's a crazy English thing as well. How is two A's a E? That should be a Aaron, right? Like in Afrikaans, it's A-Aaron. That makes sense. Like Aaron, I'm like, no, where's the E? But anyway, he says, what about your brother Aaron? And, and to one extent, this is an incredible answer, I think, to this fear that Moses had. But on the other hand, I also believe this is a bit of a warning. Because God is telling him, Moses, you're not the only one. Aaron is already on his way. If you say no, guess what? I can use someone else. When people shouted Hosanna and and they celebrated Jesus as the king and the religious leaders were just telling these people to keep quiet. Jesus said, even if they keep quiet, guess what? Rocks will shout it out. God doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need any of us to accomplish his purposes. He's more than capable of doing it himself. But he chooses to involve us. And what is so sad in this moment, what Moses is seeing as as jumping over the edges, getting into the deep water, what he's seeing as fear, actually what it is, this is what it is. God is saying, Moses, I've got the most exciting thing for you. I've got this grand plan and I want you to take the lead role in it. I want you to, to, to be just below me and lead my people out of Egypt. It will be remembered for millenniums. And I've got this exciting, amazing thing that I've got planned for you. And we miss this as well. Serving God in all the different ways, giving, serving, sharing, All of that is not something we have to do because, oh, like it's so hard and so tough and why does God want to punish me? It is an incredible privilege to be part of something that will outlast me, that will outlast this church that is 90 years old already. Being part of God's story will outlast everything on this earth. And that is a privilege. And we need to be careful to say no to God. Because he can get someone else for the job. I do not want to lie on my bed one day and say I missed out on what God wanted me to do because I was too afraid to trust him fully. I've shared with some of you the story of how we got to Canada. But what was interesting to me is, um, as I was researching more about the spiritual climate, we all know the stats, right? Christianity declining, churches closing, like one after the other. But then I read something interesting. The Aussies are planting churches here. Hillsong is here. C3, a church that you might not have heard of, has already planted 19 churches in Canada. Their goal is 100 in the next couple of years. The Americans are here. Churches like Elevation is here. And I'm sitting and I'm thinking like, seriously, do these people have more of a vision for this country that God has placed you and now me in? Do they have more vision for this country 
They have more vision for this to say like, we want to spread the gospel. We want to introduce people to Jesus. And we're all sitting here and we're like, oh, we don't know if we can do this. It's an incredible privilege. And God wants us to say yes, to trust him, to work with him. And yes, he can use someone else, but still he uses us. And he's not, he has compassion with our struggles. He understands it. And therefore, he provides this beautiful answer to Moses. He says, Moses, like all of your excuses actually comes down to one thing. You need help. You're afraid of doing this on your own. So I'm going to send your brother Aaron, and he will help you. By the way, he's on his way, Moses. You just need to sit around. He's coming. And I know purpose can be intimidating, living on purpose, living your calling can be intimidating on your own. But here's the beauty about Grace Church and about God's plan. You do not need to live your calling on your own. God will provide you with a running partner. Just as he provided Moses with a running partner in the form of Aaron, and later numerous people who could keep his hands up when he was tired. We do not believe here that we need to do everything by ourselves. We are a family. We're in this together. We keep each other accountable. We keep each other moving forward. And that is why the church exists. Because on your own, if you believe you do not need this, you are going to keep saying no. Because it's intimidating. It is scary. It is unknown and difficult to do it on your own. He will supply your needs. Finally, Moses did say yes. Finally, Moses did say, okay, God, I'll go. And he didn't take him very long. We don't know exactly how long, but we know at this point when he's talking to the burning bush, he was 80 years old. And we know the moment that he appears before Pharaoh, he's also 80 years old. Okay, so not more than a year went by. Less than a year has progressed. So he finally did say yes. And I don't know what is preventing you from saying yes, but I want to ask you today, why don't you stop making excuses and say, God, what do you want for my marriage? God, what do you want for, for my parenting? God, what do you want for my life purpose? What do you want for me in my vocation? God, what do you want for me as part of this church? And maybe you're still stuck in one of these loops that Moses was stuck in, and you're like, but Louis, I've got too many holes in my life. Now, I want to show you something quickly. I want to end this, and if you remember only this one thing from this whole series, it will be enough. So I need a volunteer to help me, and today it's going to be a lady. A lady to help me. If you're really worried about your hair to mess it up, like this might not be the best thing, but you need to come and help me put on this shirt. It's fairly large, so it will go over your head fairly easy. Someone, come on, come on. I'm going to pick you by hand. Okay. You can be so lucky that someone just raised their hand. Otherwise, I would have gone for the person looking away. <laughs> That's how you want someone, no, someone really wants to do it, right? When they're like, we often complain that we are full of holes. Can you put this shirt on for me, please? We often complain that we are so full of holes and therefore I need to, can you turn this way so they can see you? Thank you. And we just put it on. And we, we keep making these excuses that, God, I have too many holes. Therefore, I cannot be of service of you. God, therefore, I cannot go out and live my calling. What's wrong? Why aren't you putting the shirt on? There's no holes. It's all stitched shut. There's no holes. Thank you for your help. Appreciate it. <laughs> Did you know that holes are sometimes meant to be? 
There are now holes in the shirt. I cannot put my arms through it and I cannot get my head through it. But we use our, ex- our holes as excuses to not say yes to God. Well, God is saying, but your holes are meant to be. Just as I said last week, he wasn't surprised by all these issues that Moses had in his life. The holes were supposed to be there because what if there was no holes in Moses' life? What if he was enough on his own? If he was enough, you see, he wouldn't have needed God. He could have just done everything himself. But because there was so many, bro- so much brokenness, so much confusion, so many questions in his life, because his life was full of holes, he had to allow God to work through him. I want to tell you today, holes in your life are not meant to be excuses. Your time crunch your financial position, your brokenness, your sin, whatever it might be, is not meant to be excuses, but opportunities to invite God into your life. Because in the places where you are at your weakest, where you feel broken, where you feel like life is just leaking out of you, that is the places where God can work in the most beautiful way through you. In verse 15, in the last part, God just reconfirms. He's already said, okay, Moses, I'll send Aaron with you. But even if Aaron go, there's holes in Moses' life. And, and the hole was, God said, I'll speak to you, Moses, and you tell Aaron, and Aaron will tell the people. But Moses is like, I, I, I still have my, my problem. I still can't speak properly. So God, again, without him even saying it, God says, I will help you speak And teach you what to do. See it's in our weakness. When we're at our lowest. When we feel the most broken. When we feel like we don't have purpose. That is when we allow God. To use us beyond our own capabilities. Because that is when we realize. That I don't have control. But that I need him. You only have one life. And you can choose to live it how you want. I want to live it on purpose, on mission, with Jesus. Because it will be greater than any way I can ever live on my own. So I want to encourage you to stop making excuses. And to say, I'm going to start doing what makes me uneasy right now. Because whatever makes me uneasy right now, whatever feels uncomfortable right now, that might be the very thing that God uses to stretch me so I can grow in my faith. And if you don't know how, here's a couple of ideas. If you're sitting here today and you're like, man, I just struggle to trust Jesus. I haven't even given my, I haven't surrendered my life to him. I don't even call myself a servant of Jesus. Then maybe you should just say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I can't do anything on my own. I can't break with my sin on my own. I can't get through this on my own. Maybe you're today, you're like, I, I don't know how to, how to be part of this church, how to serve, how to give. I want to tell you, if you are here, then you've got purpose here. And if you believe you do not have a purpose here, it's not because you don't have one, it's because you believe a lie. So here's how you can get involved. Every Sunday, we have a simple class that we call Next Steps. 
That's incredibly easy, right? What is your next step? And you go to the first one, you learn about our church. You go to the second one every second month. That's happening today. You have to pre-register, so you can't do it today if you didn't do the assessments. And the second one, you learn exactly what is your purpose in this body? Like, where does God want to use you? What did he equip you with to use you? The third Sunday, we talk about what it means in stepping to faith, what it means to follow Jesus. And that helps you to just finally break down those walls and say, Jesus, I need you. I can't do this on my own. On the fourth Sunday, we do step into growth and we give you practical tools so you can continue to grow in your walk with them. Maybe you need to join a grace group because maybe you are like Moses and like, I can't do this on my own. Then join a group. We are opening up our promotion for our grace groups again, I think in three weeks time, it's week eight, nine, ten. You'll, you'll hear when we open it back up and join a group. It's a 10-week commitment. That's it. If you don't like it, you can walk away. And if you're online and you're like, but I'm online. I'm not there for a group. Find people in your community. Gather them in your house. Watch the service together. Ask us. We'll send you our, our grace group material. And you can do that during the week. But find running partners. That nudge in your heart. That little sense that I need to say yes. That's probably God's spirit telling you it's time to raise your hand. So what if you stopped making excuses? What if you stopped using the holes in your life as excuses? What if you stopped using your comfort or your questions or whatever as excuses? And said, I want to start doing life with God. Everything will be different. Let's pray. Jesus, we get so comfortable at just doing life our way, at using our brokenness, at using our questions, using our sin, whatever it might be, as excuses. It prevents us from saying, yes, I can. And I want to pray for each and every person here today, God, that has still not made the decision to follow Jesus. I want to pray, God, that in these moments that you will break through every question, every fear, every worry. And that in these moments, we will realize there is no life without Jesus, not here on earth and not in eternity. You are enough. Your cross was enough. I pray for everyone sitting in these seats that, that are still just a spectator who's saying I'm a servant, but they're not doing the serving that you're asking us. And I pray that you will give us a boldness to say yes to you, to step up to find our place as godly husbands and wives and children and workers and volunteers and evangelists and whatever our calling might be. May we no longer settle for the excuses. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.